Welcome to Control Alt Revolt, the podcast, episode one forty six. I think so. I think one forty five was the last one. And I'm Nicole. And I am single white Medusa. Nursing a champagne in the sidecar of destiny. Who me? Are you lit up enough to give me a little bit of? I'm just a poor boy living in it. Because it'll be it'll it'll dovetail with the tweet I'm about to read. Tweet storm. But I like yours. How's it go? Uh, living in an illusion of reality. Easy come, easy go. Little high, little low. Little high, <laughs> little low. Good job. Ooh, how's it going? <laughs> Any way the wind blows. Any way the wind <laughs> blows. Doesn't really matter to me. Doesn't. You see, you know the whole thing. I love that song. You can, <laughs> and yet you won't sing it for the audience. I know. I'm shy. Well, I can't, like, listen to the recording after the fact and make sure I'm okay with it. We're all precious. We're all singers. precious. You're not, because you're not a singer, so you can just do whatever. I, I realize <laughs> that no one is going to pay for this voice, and so I am free to just, like, get That's nuts. Cool, it's fun to be free. The reason I bring that up is I just, uh, we have a few topics we want to talk about, but there is one that just fell across the old transom of doom, mm-hmm. came across the transom of doom. Shout out if you know what a transom is. You know what? I know the phrase. But I don't actually technically know what the word means. Do you? Yeah, I do. In okay. the because uh, I've read enough Raymond Chandler novels. Oh, okay, cool. Um, do tell. Shout out if you know what your favorite Raymond Chandler novel is. It's gonna be a lot of shout outs today. It's my mom's version of "Take It Away." <laughs> like my mom will just start like, "Oh, that's a good song," and then you'll sing one line and she go, "Take it away," or she'll sing one line and take it that's away. That's the one, yeah, yeah. And that's that she because she wants to sing, but she has your thing. Like, she's shy. She's shy. Yeah, so she always tries to get me to sing for her. Yeah. Which is really mom scraping the bottom of the barrel. Oh, this person is waving to you. Hang on. I guess we'll pause you guys here. One more. All right, and we're back. So I wanted to tell us our car was smoking. And I got to say, he was a character. He was a character. And you could probably describe what kind of character. Like, he reminded me of, like, a... 70s rock star would you say like yeah what would you that be? no you absolutely nailed it sort of like guy who was in a band like and you get that a lot around here you'll get like old rock stars like mm-hmm. vince neal lives down by our sushi joint and and just a lot of guys who are, are still kind of i think one time actually um the guy who murdered his call girl who did the wall of sound what was his name i think one time he was in my gym and he and i were in the sauna together and he was trying to get me. He's like, you should pick up one of those stones. He was really evil. And I'm like, why would I pick up a hot stone? And he's like, you know, like for bravery and courage. I'm Ew, like, I, I got I got enough of that, bro. That's weird. Ask anybody. Burn and the, and then as much that. bravery and courage as I have, I also have stupidity in spades. Yeah. So, you know, don't worry about me. But he was he was really shady. That's weird. I think it was him. Might have been some other weirdo with the sort of frizz hair and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I think he was hiding out in Orange County because the heat was on guy that murdered his call girl i mean phil specter yes that was it i thought okay never mind he didn't have anything to do with like max factor did he was that like another like max factors air was like kind of crazy and something happened yeah max factors air um was it max factor or was it uh uh the wrestler uh that was dupont oh but there was a Max Factor thing. There was something. There was a, yeah. but then there was a Dupont thing, the youngest Dupont son of the 
sort of DuPont guy who was big time. He he started his own crazy wrestling camp. <laughs> oh, we yeah. watched a whole documentary <laughs> and then, about and it. He right? was like, that was crazy. He, he was like, it was all like weird gay stuff. Oh and, man, that was so you know, like, crazy. No, like that's like like he 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 want it, 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 that is one psycho documentary. That was. <laughs> How did we find that? Did someone remember. recommend it? Because it did. was it was really crazy. I wish we could remember what it was called. We would recommend it. People are weird, but he was that kind of guy, and he was really nice because he was he concerned was. about us and. I mean, maybe he was like, your car's smoking. Maybe you guys are... Polluting the environment. No, but he seemed nice. No, maybe we were getting high inside, uh, and he was like... He, he was wanted to come on in. He we'd be like, oh, no, it's, it's like, marijuana. He's like, let me tell you in. what it's like to be on the road with Zeppelin <laughs> in 74. Exactly. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I can guess what it's like to be on the road with Zeppelin <laughs> in 74. Exactly. It's a, it's, it's a lot of watching Robert Plant pick up chicks. Hmm. That's what it's like. Yeah. Whole lot of loving. What do you think that song's about? <laughs> I would like to hang out, like, I, I would love to time travel back in time. People are like, could you get to the point of the amazing tweet that you just found? <laughs> but I'm not going to, because I don't care. Because this podcast is going to be a defining moment in your life, in which I teach all of us how to rebel against the entire thing today. Sounds but good. before I do that, let's talk about my fantasy of time traveling back to 1974, 72 i don't know early 70s let's just say early 70s and hanging out with led zeppelin when they were reading lord of the rings and trying to make up a bunch of music. a lot of their music is lord of the rings influenced yeah i forgot about that. and i bet that was a trip man yeah i bet that was a trip that would have been a more fun trip than some other more wild times i think because like lord of the rings mixed with led zeppelin that's yeah. kind of some some fun there yeah some two kind of fun things. Getting some Jethro Tull and Saga guys hanging out with them and <laughs> just totally going to, to Fantasy Town. I wonder if they ever played D&D. That would be crazy. I bet that would be a trip. I like the story, different group, but Rolling Stones, the guy who played with them, Charlie who like Watts. was awesome, who yes. was like a good guy and yes. like not wild. Jazz drummer who played with, the, who happened to play with the Stones. Yeah, and it was like, he just died recently. Just died recently. And like, there was such a nice story about him that he was like, never did the whole wild thing when he'd be on tour with them. Ron Wood kept a record of all the girls that the Stones picked up and how many with each person and everything like that. And uh, Charlie Watts never picked up anybody and stayed faithful to his wife. Aww, but he, so he was bemused by their antics. As you, Although there was... as you can tell by watching any video of all of them. It's just him just like... Sitting there, keeping the baseline going, and just watching a bunch of freaks. There was the one story where he punched one of them in the face, right? Because they called him in his hotel room, That's and they right. were like, "Where's my drummer? Get my drummer out here, or something like that." He right? called him at three o'clock in the morning, drunk, and said, "Where's my drummer?" You know, he did that big lip to clap in his hands. Where's my drummer? Because he was coked out in Mitch, you know, and, and Mick Jagger, which is, you know, he doesn't even need to be coked out. Yeah. So Charlie Watts threw on his robe, marched up to his floor, punched him in the face, and went back to <laughs> went back to sleep. I love that guy even more. Yeah. That's a pretty, He's pretty cool, cool guy. <laughs> so anyway, back to your awesome tweet that you found. Um, it's it's interesting. Um, I just sent it to you, mm-hmm. the link, if you want to see it. Yeah, from and, Les Luther. Yeah, apparently. Les Luther. <laughs> So, Les Luther is a... Uh, we'll read their Twitter bio, bio oh, real quick. Oh, so I just click on this profile here? Yeah. Let's see. Will it work? Because I'm not a member of Twitter. Okay. Their profile description is illusion warfare correspondent 
and boogeyman economic advisor. Yeah. <laughs> I like Very this. interesting thing. I don't know if this is true or not. You can dive into it. But as you're about to see, there's a lot of supported video. And so why don't we start with the first tweet that I, I sent to you. Oh, so is it a thread? Yeah. Okay, so like the top one here says, yeah. Illusion Warfare Report, The Road to Ukraine. Join me as I LARP my way onto the Hollywood movie set we know as Ukraine. Will the Matrix allow me to peek behind the curtains of a manufactured and manipulated world staged event? Okay, then now go to the next tweet in that thread. The journey begins on the 3 slash 3, 3rd of March, I guess it means, on the 3rd of March, I took Medusa's a flight. had a little champagne today, <laughs> Well, I wouldn't normally, you would just usually say on 3-3. Three, three. You wouldn't say on the 3-3. Three, three. That's why I was like, what? Medusa's had a little champagne today, everybody. <laughs> on the 3rd of March, I took a flight from Luton, England to Krakow, Poland. Via Poland seemed the easiest way into the Ukraine. Note all the 33s. What does he mean by that? Oh. And then he, there's a video. Okay. We're not going to watch the video. We're just going to okay. keep reading the tweets, Medusa. Stay on target, Red 5. And then it says, Evan, though unvaxxed, but he must mean even. Yeah. Typo. Even though unvaxxed, I entered Poland with ease on the condition I left within 24 hours. Now, remember, let's touch that up right there. You can't travel any, anywhere in the world unless you're vaccinated. I happen to know that that's false, and I know people who have money who travel and no one cares about their vaccine status if you travel the right way. But if you're going to go out there and get on the major air carriers and stuff like that, you're going to get these baseline people who will shut you down and blah, blah, blah. But the reality is, do you think when they all head to Davos that they care about their vaccine thing? And another thing. No. It's amazing how many people have been vaccine injured or no vaccine injured people. But when you look at top government officials... Keep that handy. I'm not letting you it's off. Handy. It's handy. Um, it's amazing how many top, you know, White House, Senate, Congress, everything, people at the top and the inside circle, the inner circle, the celebrities, amazing how none of them have been vaccine, vaccine injured. And if you look at it, it's almost statistically amazing. But let's progress. Yeah. Although, you know what? I, and I agreed with you earlier. We were talking about it. I just thought of a caveat, but maybe there's another explanation for it. But. A lot of us did think that Gavin Newsom was. I had thought of that too, and I think I think he I think he accidentally got vaccine injured. I think so. Because he was trying to grandstand. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I was like, you would think that he wouldn't have gotten. But the it's real amazing, one when like he's pretending to get it. You know, but... there's there's about 700 people working in the Congress and Senate, a right. over. Yeah. And uh, I haven't seen any of those people have a vaccine injury. And when you look at the statistics, it's there should be. Yeah. So anyway, this one continues on after it says, I entered Poland with ease on the condition I left within 24 hours. So I wasted no time and took a train from Krakow to Przemysl. I know that's probably not how you say it, but I don't know the pronunciation on the language. So. Medusa's had a little bit to drink, everybody. <laughs> Przemysl. <laughs> the only sign of war was the name of the cafe. Huh? That's interesting. Um, Przemysl train station, the refugee movie set, is in parentheses, the refugee movie set. A well-planned, stage-managed route ensures the Ukrainians arriving are bottlenecked and compressed into the ticket hall so the media can create the illusion of hell on earth. Yeah, they've even sort of got, like, they've turned it into an amusement ride so that the Ukrainians coming out 
not so that they can be, you know, rescued or delivered or whatever, but so that they can be funneled in front of the press to show that this is a really big problem. And look how many of them look there are. Look how many of them and then his next one says, visual effects are key. Outside the refugee train station, police vehicles leave the lights flashing. Every 20 minutes, the sirens turn on and vehicle does a loop around the block. Yeah. And there's, so there's corresponding videos to each of these things. Yeah, and that's like, if you want to go through and verify all this, you can go through and, you know, read people's responses. Maybe they're full of bullshit or whatever. But again, we're just in Poland right now heading towards the Ukraine, and we're told from our news reports we're showing all kinds of captures and damage and blah, blah, blah. This person is seeming to indicate there is, at least as far as Poland, a stage-managed atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Let's continue. <laughs> it's funny you should say that because the next one starts with stage management, dot, 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 or ellipses. The, quote, video village of Przemysl. Yeah, just so you know, in Hollywood terms, video village is usually where the director sits and, and watches the monitor to see what the uh, director of photography, DP, is capturing. And it's usually also the script supervisor is located nearby. But it's it's basically where the, 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 the film is captured. So on the set, you know, when you're directed, you know, go over to Video Village. You're usually, like, the director usually a lot of the times isn't, like, watching the actors. He's actually watching the monitor. Yeah. So then it does say, here we find the director and producer of the refugee movie. All staged photos need good lighting. And it's like a whole lighting setup and everything. Okay. Yeah. So why why are there lighting setups? Why why is this beginning to seem like a a managed event? Well, okay, let's let's shoot ourselves in the foot and you know, let's call ourselves out. Perhaps they know that like, okay, this war needs to be sold. It is a real legitimate war. Um we do need the press to get the right shots. To communicate the severity of the message, lighting is part of it and everything like that. It's amazing how many war correspondents from like, you know, World War II on where photography really came into it didn't need all this stuff to make the case in point. But I don't know. Is your spider sense tingling? Let's mm-hmm. let's go on. I am unable to find a hostel or hotel full of refugees, you ask? No. All the hotels in this town are taken up by the press. Whilst these scumbags sleep in luxury, poor Ukrainians are left to sleep at the railway station, creating more staged photo opportunities for the press. Okay, this is not uncommon to war correspondents and and people who have, you know, from Biafra on and everything like that. Literally, one guy, I I heard a story about, if you don't know Biafra, look that up. But, like, literally, they were about to execute some people. And one of the press people said, stop, I need to change the battery on my recorder. And they literally made the people that they were about to execute wait while this guy got his camera loaded so they could record it. So, you know, uh, we're told that there's a burgeoning refugee crisis developing. Um, We're told by Joy Reid and a lot of people that this is only because of racism, because all of us white people only care about white wars and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, well, it's not really about that. Um, It's about World War Three. It's a bigger war than anything in modern history. Uh, any of the shithole Muslim countries shouldn't say that. It should be nice, but it's really the shithole leaders of shithole Muslim countries that have done that to those poor people in their country. Um, but this involves nuclear weapons, apparently. I mean, it does, and it could really. So it's got. A much bigger focus but let's let's proceed on and see 
see if this is just Poland and this is just the, you know, this is just the press line for the war. Let's see what the war is like in Kiev. Oh, well, it's funny. Uh, it, the next one goes on to say, one minute walk away from the movie set, life is normal. And is this video of, is that some sort of government building? Yes. Like par- parliament yeah. building or yeah. something it looks like? Um, and then it's, the next one says, creating a scene. And it has little movie camera uh, icons there. Here you can see how perfectly fine doors are blocked by signs and volunteers, a.k.a. stagehands, bottlenecking everyone through one door. The camera crews set up to capture this manufacturing chaos for the cameras. Next one says, strike a pose. You LARP as a photographer. I'll LARP as a young man heading off to war. So basically, he's chosen his identity. He's one of these people that's been told to come east and fight. So he's acting like that. But what he's noticing among sort of the people that are handling the quote-unquote refugee crisis in Poland is that um, it's very stage-managed and funneled to make sure that the media can create an image of chaos. When in reality, on the ground for this gentleman or whatever they are, um, in Poland, it doesn't seem to be that. Well, let's see if we can make it to Kiev. Okay. The train into Lviv, Ukraine. Lviv, Ukraine, railway station, another movie set. I arrive around 2 a.m. I help an old lady with her bags as she seeks information on travel to her hometown of Odessa. Once she is sorted with tickets, I take a closer look around. The 33 continues to follow me. So you don't know what the 33 means? Okay. Um, Lviv Railway Station. Manufactured chaos once again. A curfew is enforced from 8 p.m. until 8 a.m., meaning travelers can't leave the station and are forced into participating in the fully immersive 4D crisis experience, complete with props like trash can fire. <laughs> the, tra- into, the train into Kiev. I talked. You extras gather around the trash can fire and pretend that you're afraid of cold and war. Oh my. I know who would well, be perfect f- for that role. <laughs> Me. That's my specialty. <laughs> that, was, that was the Medusa special on stage. Oh, yeah. Entering stage right, and there's war and coldness on the Russian front. And fear abounds. Oh, yes. you should have seen her walk out <laughs> shivering with her flimsy shawl and shift. and Looking around. Looking around furiously for, for cannon <laughs> fire. Like... It's like I'm like you do that in every opera, and she's like, "Well, I every just opera, <laughs> it's war and it's cold, yeah. and we're peasants. Come on, yeah. like what else can you? There's not a whole lot you can do. You can't like improvise lines or anything. You can't say stuff. So, <laughs> okay, and you know, people are far away from you. It's a big, big opera house. Hey, I'm working here. All right. So, the train into Kiev, but see, like they force people from. The whole entire night, they can't leave. Right. So what what does that mean? They have to sleep there. They're like yeah. forcing people to now be refugees in the right. train station they're creating, that night. They're creating so. the atmosphere of, oh my gosh, this is an overwhelming crisis Look, developing. they have nowhere to go and, and they have and to sleep here. we put it right here, here next to all these cameras them. so that you can see it. Mm-hmm. And we don't want these people to do like what they did in the United States as soon as they cross the border, which is scatter and get picked up by strange buses and airplanes in the middle of the night. No, they want to make sure that, you know, until the United States enters World War III, like we're being totally pushed and sold to, even by our own people, that we understand. And, like, you can see people now who are just overcome. They've turned off their brains, and they're thinking solely based with their stomachs and emotion. And I, you know, like, I'm not 
angry or anything like I, I get it I'd be mad at this stuff too I'm just not sure that it's true are there rounds being exchanged is there war being exchanged yep I agree with all of those things I don't think there, and I don't know that I've fully articulated how to say it but I don't think what we're seeing is true I think we're seeing a movie it should, it's just that some of the people involved in it might not know it's a movie as they get you know blown to pieces by munitions yeah Next part, the train into Kiev. I talked my way onto the overnight train around five euros. I guess that's a euro symbol. And a warm place to sleep. There are many Ukrainians heading back in. Just for the record, you can just buy a regular train ticket into Kiev, either online or at the station. Trains are running as normal. The 4th of March, I arrived. So this is a big point. And it's something people have been saying. If you go back and look at the 91 invasion of Iraq and just watch some of the footage, it's overwhelming. The night uh, vision images of anti-aircraft fire, the city blacked out. Usually when a big military hits, they take out power and water and to create all this sort of desperation. In the Ukraine, almost everywhere, there's power, there's water. Trains are running. The trains are running. There's internet. This is not like any other war. It's true. And it, it kind of feels bullshitty. Yeah. Okay, going on. Filming around Kiev train station was near impossible. Talking and texting on the phone was okay. The moment you turned the phone into the filming position, Agent Smiths with guns would appear. Oh, that's See, now that's, that's a really... And you're about to see a couple of these posts on this, but okay. So you're allowed to text and you're allowed to message and you're allowed to create sort of like... Uh, you're allowed to feed the image, and I and I wonder how many texts are getting filtered out if they don't say or do the right things, because we know from Facebook's documents and things that were revealed, and the phone companies, that they can interfere with your texts if they want to. This person now claims that if you turn on and try to film in the middle of Kiev, which we are told right now, and these tweets are about two days old, but we've been told for most of this week and last week that Kiev was under heavy assault fighting on the outskirts it's a crisis situation Zelensky is you know we're seeing all this bullshit about Zelensky you know being made this hero standing at the front and you know armor and wearing you know flags and war and give me ammunition and everything like that but then if you try to record what's going on the ground suddenly Agent Smith show up in blacked out SUVs to tell you not to do that yeah and then next he lets people know but we already I think know Agent Smith equal government slash police. Um, I got pulled aside twice within 10 minutes, so I left. So there's a level of surveillance on the ground, just like any film set or casino, where they're watching the streets and knowing if people are doing things they shouldn't do. And then there's some sort of QRF, quick reaction force, that comes out and says, hey, don't do that. You're not feeding the narrative. Mm Mm-hmm. And then he says, I take a walk to the supermarket. No signs of war yet. But I'm told that there's jets streaking overhead and artillery incoming. And the Russians are shelling entire blocks indiscriminately. Yeah. There's only the very familiar feeling of a lockdown. Is this the result of war? Or is this the government and corporations creating the illusion of a war to economically force people out of the city? The media claimed intense fighting had reached Kiev. I walked the street and see no evidence of this as of yet, 6th of March. My first air raid siren, 
and no one cares. Audio sound effects are another way to create the illusion of war, 6th of March. Illusion See, warfare a, tactics. That's a big point that I would talk about is... I think that, like, you know, okay, their air raid... We're showing, like, like I remember this one picture from last week. Air raid sirens, missile hits a building, stuff comes crashing down on the guy filming, blah, blah, blah. Like, you would think that people who have been under air assaults and artillery attacks and, you know, cruise missile strikes, that when an air raid goes off, these people would be living with some level of PTSD that's making them flinchy McJackrabbit. Yeah. Instead, they're like... Oh no, no, this is nothing ever happens. These people have been trained that just like the sirens in Poland and turning them on and off every 20 minutes, they're being trained that like these are actually, this is stimulus that you're not, you don't need to respond to because nothing's going to happen because nothing actually has happened. But to watch the media, we would be told that, you know, it's, it's hell on earth. I see these emotional, oh, I can't, I just can't sleep tonight in my bed knowing that the people of Ukraine and Kiev are living under this heavy assault. Oh, here they are in the train station. Here they are in their bunkers. The children. The children. Yeah. Won't somebody do it for the children? <laughs> exactly. And then the next one. Illusion warfare tactics. Shut everyone inside for a curfew and blast sirens across the city to scare the S out of people. There is never a follow-up explosion. Everyone told me... There are no hotels or hostels in Kiev. It's a war zone. Truth? There are an abundance of places to stay. I picked a cheap hostel as I'm on a budget. So everyone understands. I'm a nightclub bouncer with about a thousand euros to my name. Uh, each day, I wake up, grab a coffee, and continue to walk the streets in search of a war. I gave up on taxi drivers on day one. They wanted cash, which is hard to find in Kiev as all ATMs are dry, but understandably they didn't want the attention of driving a foreigner to Irpin. Irpin, whatever that is. Uh, the ATMs could be dry for a number of logical reasons, but the ATMs could also be dry because they don't want people to have money to um, do things that they don't want people to do, and so they're keeping everybody to credit card purchases to know what everybody's doing. But most war, war zones are filled with cash because a lot of cash is being funneled into that area to get stuff done, especially among the sort of like, you know, um, underbellies and, and, you know, things like that. But it's just interesting, you know, if you if you go to sort of as the lockdown narrative begins to come into focus, uh, reminiscent of COVID lockdowns, and then the stage management. And I do believe that we are headed towards, I think, you know, this might be a lot of things, but I wonder how much of this is a beta test on the, hey, guys, we're in a nuclear war. And uh, didn't you see that big flash in the sky? And, oh, we can't hear from San Francisco anymore. And, oh, the fallout is coming. Stay inside. And don't you hear the doomsday sirens? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But it, this is, this is, this, if this is not, setting off 
warning alarms in the back of your skull. I don't know what it is. It is. I find this fascinating. Like, I literally did not see this ahead of while we're reading it. This is like the first time I'm seeing it. I know. It. I surprised you. It's Surprise so attack. interesting. No, this is this fascinating. Is, this is the Pearl Harbor of this podcast. Right. Because, again, there's like a video that goes with every single one. And now I want to, like, watch it. Because he's basically, he's showing you, like, everything that he's saying. Um, like, here's the video right here of what I filmed. So, anyway, uh, the next one is Kiev, Ukraine. Grannies walk their dogs as normal. But wait, I the was told this is a war zone. I know. Well, the reporters wear flak jackets. Oh, of course. You know, so they can pretend. Yeah, but we all, we've all war. seen the war, the reporters talking about the hurricane down in Florida and the storm surge. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And yes. people are just walking by, and they're in a canoe, you know, or pretending like... Or like, like they're pretending yeah. to be blown about, like the wind is the, so strong. The media is nothing but bullshit, Total and you should liars. not listen to them ever again. Exactly. Ugh. They make me so mad. Okay. Um, the city of Kiev is now a movie set. Come experience the illusion of war as we walk through the Hollywood set known as Kiev. Props such as abandoned cars, blockades, and checkpoints are placed around the city by the visual effects team for a fully immersive 4D experience. Tip. Always carry an item and receipt whilst walking around a movie set like Kiev. Parentheses. There are many Agent Smiths in blacked-out vehicles driving around. See, again, that's a weird thing. Why do we have, like, if there's such a war effort at the front, and Russia's closing in from all four sides, and Zelensky is, is begging for ammunition and warriors from the West, men of the West, won't you come and save Christendom here? Well, who's financing the Agent Smiths driving around in blacked-out vehicles? Sounds like CIA to me, personally. Yeah. And probably yeah. uh, their various counterparts in other countries, yeah. but, you know. That's a big bullshit meter and I'd like to I'd like to cross-check this with see if anybody's commented on it, but that should be a huge warning sign right there. Mm-hmm. Next one, there is lots of food in Kiev. If there are people in the city that can't eat, it's more likely because they have been economically destroyed by the government shutting down any way to earn a living. Alcohol has been prohibited. I walk in the direction of urban... Well, that sounds kind of like various COVID restrictions. Yeah. You know... Uh, Australia, Australia did that. Australia did the yep. prohibition of alcohol, and and they all the, all, all the countries destroyed our livelihoods. You That's can't work. Sure. Yeah. You've got to go home. We're all in this together. Mm-hmm. Sorry, business, little small business, <laughs> medium business. Jeff Bezos got has got to make enough room for his super yacht, and then the support super yacht that supports that, and the bridge <laughs> that needs to be demoed so him and his Latin whore can go driving around through Europe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I walk in the direction of Urpen and come across this hospital. There are armed guards outside, so I film the side. Urpen is a 30-minute drive away. Wouldn't there be sounds of war? Yeah, Any where's wounded, that war? And wounded soldiers? Where's that? Where's those soldiers coming back? Oh, it was grim. Yeah, we stood. We held the line. You know. Yeah. Maybe the Ukrainians are winning by so much that there's no wounded. All the wounded are going to the east. Mm-hmm. That would that would that would jibe with the narrative. Yeah. And then he says, just think with this blank canvas, how much digital overlay fakery is possible? I think it's just yeah, like. Yeah. The outside of the hospital where nothing's happening. Um, I walk and walk. Getting onto the urban film set is near impossible. The metro is open and running, but has armed police, and they want to search you before entry. And it's, I would just put it this: as, as someone who knows, you can hear gunfire in cold weather for miles. Yeah. For miles and miles, explosions, machine guns. The colder the air, the farther that sound travels. And yeah. it's cold there right now. Yeah. It's papers, please, even for regular Ukrainians. Kaboom! Has a bomb landed close by? 
Nah, the boiler fell off the wall, and the water is spraying across the shower room, slowly flooding the first floor. Good news is I get moved to a room with a heater. Nearly had room 33. The 8th of March, and blizzard with coffee to start the morning. After endless walking around the city for the past few days, I decide to revisit Kiev's main train station, another manipulated crisis situation that could be avoided if the government really cared about its people. And then, like, that is the end of that yeah. particular I think thread. there's some... You, you guys can go through it if you want to, and I think that there's actually some sub-threads within the threads. And I don't know that that's, you know, the smoking gun of what's going on, but again, I think you begin to put a lot of stuff together... There are some concerns that not everyone is being honest in this. And I would honestly say to you, I don't know that anyone's being honest. I don't know that I, I'm pretty sure the Russians ain't being honest. But I, if you think I'm going to default and say, oh, I think America is more less dishonest than the Russians, I don't know right now. Um, there is something coming out about the biolabs. We were. We were told last week, and even, you know, I posted it, and people were like, come on, this is propaganda. Those biolabs didn't exist. And then uh, Victoria Newland goes in front of the Senate yesterday and says, well, we do have biolabs there. And uh, she doesn't say how serious they are, but they're serious enough that she's worried the data within could fall into Russian hands. Because that's where they work on the Impossible Burger. They don't want the Russians to get their hand on the secret bug meat <laughs> recipe. Right, exactly. No, the Russians have been saying, you've been keeping those biolabs next to us because you're trying to kill us. Mm-hmm. You're trying to find out our genetics and blah, 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 and DNA and, and, and program viruses to destroy us. Is that true? Is that crazy? Yeah, it, it can be both true and crazy. But I don't know. But this morning, the Russian Ministry of Truth or whatever they are, they came out and, and said, we have the data. We have the pictures. We have your labs. We demand that the U.S. Uh, give an accounting of what they're doing with these biolabs here. So here's a play that I think could happen because then China chimed in and said the same thing. Um, I I very easily see that China could use the biolabs thing as the moral justification to go into Taiwan. Oh, there's labs and whether there are or not, if they can hang labs on the U.S. in Ukraine, secret labs, bioweapons labs then anyone around the world can start saying this. And it's it's funny, the people who've been telling lies and mean-girling everybody are actually about to get mean-girled very big time. And there actually is very little defense. Um, again, Ukraine is a, is, a, is, a, is a scum hole of corruption. So if you're rooting for the Ukrainians, yeah, you can root for the Ukrainians on the ground, the Ukrainian government, they are a huge bunch of crooks as are the Russians. So there's really no good people here. But to get sucked into this on what is a scouting report by someone who's on the fringes, I don't know. You could say that the war is that way. All of this stuff can be justified and answered, but that certainly wouldn't be the picture that we're seeing on the news. No. The news is, is actually going out of its way to make what this person is reporting on the ground honestly, I think... Um, they're trying to go to the opposite end of the spectrum and, and people, and, and, and here's the thing. I might give the news the benefit of the doubt, except the disinformation campaign from our one in the Ukraine, ghost of Kiev, old lady with seats, snake Snake Island. island, all of these things. Like 
they ultimately hurt the credibility against this kind of thing. Yeah. And so now we kind of have to like, okay, well now here's a person going in and they're not, they're kind of seeing some bullshit. Yeah. That sounded like a lot of BS right there. Like I really want to like go back and like watch all those videos. And there was one more. I don't know if you want to read it. I found one more. Still no visible signs of a war in the city. Kiev is the big cheese in this illusion. I have no interest in the hundreds of ex-Soviet empty and derelict villages. The military has been using those villages for target practice and war games since the USSR fell. But, um, no, I just think that's crazy and, like, worth watching, I would say, you know. And then you shift to our government, who used this crisis, never let a crisis go to waste, to say, well, this crisis, what Pooty Poot Poot is doing, this is why everything's so terrible. This is why the gas and the supply chain and everything. And Jen Psaki is literally up there lying for days now and, and being confronted by, you know, the Don Quixote of the, of the West Wing, you know, Peter Ducey. And, and she's not answering the questions. And at times she's lying oh, yeah. and advancing this narrative. So it does seem like a push towards World War III. Mm-hmm. And it does seem like a pull from within the United States towards World War III. The people that they're pulling and pushing are you. And I do think the case is actually being made because of such emotionalism among a crippled culture that we have in the United States of people who are who live by crisis now who don't want to take responsibility want someone else to make all the decisions and don't care if all those decisions are constantly bad i want to flip over to one last thing we had a few topics today but we're running long yeah we'll have to save them for next time most of them what did you want to flip to though i wanted to flip to not using their words Mm -hmm. and i think like it's time that in my own life i'm gonna stop using their words and what I mean by their words are the sort of bad faith conversations that they have to manipulate us so here's where it really came to bear this week um say gay don't say gay gay. so Florida passes this bill that says you know we don't think little kids should be taught this sort of LGBTQ you know pervert stuff Um, so I'm not going to use their words anymore pervert stuff sex stuff pervert stuff I'm not saying LG, I'm not saying the alphabet anymore. Fuck that. You know, I'm just gonna say pervert stuff because it's it's wrong. Some things are wrong. Some things are immoral. I can't force you to stop that. I don't believe in legislating righteousness. You do what you want to do, but there's going to be consequences for what you do. Now, what I'm gonna say is, everybody, I want the freedom to do what I want to do. So you have the freedom to do what you you're gonna do. Here's what you're not going to do. What you're not going to do is prevent me from calling things wrong. And you are not going to prevent me from from you saying I will not participate in calling wrong right. Which is what they're trying to do. Which is normalizing things. Which is things like Jen Psaki says, oh these are basic human values. No they're not. No they're not. You wanting to sexualize children is not a basic human value. Not in the United States, nor has it ever been. In fact, usually people who did that were, were hung, beaten within an inch of their life, buried in shallow graves, and it was right to do so because they were hurting your children like teachers want to do, like the state wants to do, wants to come between you and your child. So I'm not playing the games anymore. I'm not referring to it as the don't say gay bill. It was the Parents' Rights Protection Act down in Florida whatever. But we've got to stop playing these games with their words because even if we're arguing against it, 
it normalizes and legitimizes their attack to constantly move the stone a little farther down towards normalization, to move this weird thing towards normalization, everything like that. And you have to, if you want your culture back, I think there's a number of things that you need to do, that you could do. But one of the things you, is you have to stop normalizing evil. You, but I'm not going to say you, I, I don't, I'm not going to, well, I don't know. I don't want to say you have to do this or you should do this, but maybe you should, maybe you have to. But I'm going to say, as for me, in my house, I'm going to start calling it like it is. I'm going to do it in love, and it's not always going to sound loving. But it's going to be the truth. No, I don't think every fucked up thing you want to do in your life is a good thing. I think some of those things are going to jack you up, hurt you, make you miserable, and hurt other people. And you should be warned about that. People warned me about the things in my life that I was doing wrong. And I changed direction. And, and I and I stopped doing those things. or, And I think we've all had that experience. But someone came along and put enough shame into us, and shame is a good thing, to say that thing that you're doing, it's not right. Mm-hmm. And then I think, there's, I think everybody participating in this conversation on this thing can say, yeah, that's true. I've had that experience. I was, I was ashamed of what I was doing. Someone called me out on it. I stopped doing it. It can be a little thing. Don't bite your nails. It can be a big thing. Stop drinking yourself silly. You know, those kinds of things. So, I think the thing that we can do is just begin to call... you got to have the courage to call it like it is. And... And one of the steps towards that, because, you know, you listen to people on YouTube or in podcasts and they've learned to dance around words like vaccine and COVID because they they're trying to protect their bowl of rice and they don't want their video to be taken down. But you know what? Stop doing that. Just stop using their words. Stop playing their games. Stop being manipulated by their conversation. Oh, I don't want to say that gay is a bad thing. Oh, I don't want to say that a black person robbed a liquor store. Guess what? Black people rob liquor stores. White people rob liquor stores. It's not wrong to say what the truth is, but they've criminalized the truth. And they've made people feel like I will... And I'm not saying you won't get hurt. Maybe that's something that I need to be honest about. Yeah, that mob's going to come for you. They're going to they're gonna wipe us out because they hate it when we speak the truth because the truth destroys lies and all they have are lies. And that's why when they say the don't say gay bill, the Parents' Rights Act is about the phrase don't say gay, which is not actually said in that bill at all and has nothing to do with that. But they they take everything and have a bad faith conversation about it and shame you and make you afraid of saying something so that they can continue to control and manipulate the conversation. So, you know what? If you don't agree with homosexuality or whatever, I don't agree with it. I think it's a bad lifestyle choice. You can do it. I'm not going to stop you from doing your weirdo thing. But I'm not going to tell you it's good. I'm not going to tell you it's not going to totally jack you up and hurt you. Look at the statistics on domestic violence and alcoholism and self-harm. I mean, it's inordinately high. Oh, well, that's because of other factors. Sure. But, you you know, you have to do risk assessment. A certain amount of you are going to die from driving a, a car. Um, your chances of death increase with certain activities. Are we supposed to magically say, oh no, this activity is good, and so therefore all risks are gone? No. Do I, Am I saying the people who do it are awful, evil, sinful, hateful, you know, uh, monsters? No, I'm saying they're people just like me with problems. 
But what I'm not going to tell you is the problem's a, a, a feature. I'm not going to tell you the problem's a good thing. I know lots of people who've made some alternative life choices and absolutely come to regret it and wish there was a way out of it and can't get out of it. So that's the truth. And you know what? That right there could get me ended. I'm cool with being ended. I'm cool with doing the truth. You know, do whatever you want to do. If that makes you go fetal in life, this World War III thing that they're pumping up, it's just going to wreck your day. You might want to get stronger. You might want to get tougher. You might want to hear some uncomfortable truths. You might want to get good. You might want to learn to code. You might want to pick up a gun and learn how to defend yourself. You can't just stick your head in the sand and say, I don't like the hurty words. Because how are you going to feel when you know the Chinese or the Russians lob a supersonic, hypersonic nuclear missile at your particular neck of the woods? Or when the government beats down your door and you say, oh, I'm on your side. I voted, I voted all the alphabet and I'm good. And they're like, nah, you got, you got crypto. Screw you. Or, you know, kind of like what we were talking about, the Batman movie. Uh, you're not, you're not this color enough. You're a different color. You don't have a voice. You know, your kid tries to get into a school and they go, ah, they're not the right color for that school. Are you going to get upset then when it doesn't swing your way? See, the thing is, you need to be upset now when it doesn't swing someone else's way. You need to be upset when people are abusing other people and bullying them and having bad faith conversations. I would be more than happy to have a good faith argument on any issue I've talked about in this con- uh, in this podcast. But bad faith arguments, where you take what someone has said and then say, oh, it's really about you being a bigot. That's a bad faith conversation. And that's not a conversation worth having, nor will I have, nor should you have. And the best way to do it is say, no, that's not what that's about. This is the truth. Whether you like it or not, this is the truth. And so maybe looking at the Ukraine, I don't have a dog in this fight. And honestly, no one in America has a dog in this fight. But we are being convinced, pushed, pulled to believe that that the state of Western civilization depends on this document the, the the this whatever whatever this is that's going on there and we're told that anybody who's on the other side is you know is is a trump is a goldstein is the worst they're all bad everybody you know like we have to denigrate everybody to destroy them well it's like that's that's not the truth you know, that's what not that's what trump was saying like Putin is savvy. You don't get into that position by not... Oh, look, he supports white supremacy. Well, what about the Azov Brigade fighting for the Ukrainians and the little Nazi symbols? Oh, well, that doesn't count. Rather than trying to hold every position for your tribe, why don't you just try to hold the truth? Great way to navigate. And the final thing that I would say... I don't mean to turn this into a lecture, but I think very shortly you're going to see China make some moves... And it's going to become clear to every American that you are now in second place. And you've never been in second place in your life. You might even be in third or fourth. You don't, you've never lived where you're not top dog. Even if you had the worst life in the United States. You, you don't know what it's like to not have the things that you have. You've gotten a taste of it over the last two years. You're about to really get a taste of it. And you're going to find that your fellow Americans who you think are your enemy, and this is like to both sides, this is even to me, you're going to find that the people who you think are your enemies are actually your friends and your neighbors and your relatives and your allies. 
and that the rest of the world would love to see us dead. Full stop. The rest of the world would love to see us dead. I feel bad for the people that think other nations are better friends to them than us. I wish there was a way we could all just say, you know what, we don't agree or whatever. But I think it's as simple as, like, I reserve the right to call your stupid lifestyle stupid. But I also reserve the right to fight for you to have your stupid lifestyle. Would you please afford me the same courtesy? And then let's just have good faith conversations about it. No more mean grilling. No more bad faith, you know, conversations where you try to manipulate people. Just lay your case out and and know that no one's going to take away your bowl of rice. If you want to do that thing, as long as we don't hurt children or animals or, you know, all those kinds of things, I think that's a basic. But we've entered an area where people want to do that. And so maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe my solution is a little Pollyanna. But for the time being, I'd like to provide a solution to America. And I think it's if we could just all agree that everybody has the right to do what they want to do and other people, every the other people who don't agree with that lifestyle, everybody has the right to do what they want to do and everybody has the right to criticize what other people do. You don't, you shouldn't be ended over that. And the third component of that is everybody has the right and the duty. The duty is more important to fight for everybody to do what they want to do. And then we could all be brothers and sisters in liberty. Then we could all be allies. Then we could build this nation because we are on the cusp of having that opportunity if we did not have a corrupt regime that has sold out and is looking for a big paycheck. Because what the United States and the people of the United States, and I think even a lot of the corporate CEOs have come to realize is stuff has to be built here. We have to farm our own food. We have to build our own semiconductors. We have to do everything ourselves, and that is a massive opportunity for everybody who's unemployed right now, for everybody who needs a job, for everybody who's wanted to start a business. Like This is an opportune moment for us to restart the country and for everybody to actually make a lot of money. But we're controlled by people. We're controlled by a Munchausen by proxy government that would rather say, oh, you're sick and you have the flu and you're crippled and you can't do anything because you have cancer. We have a victim society. We need to get rid of that. Sorry, it was a long-form lecture today. Let us discuss in the comments. We enjoy those so much, right? Medusa, end on a good note. Well, I mean, I had one thought that you were saying a little bit ago when you were saying that they, the, you know, the bad side, whatever, they hate the truth. They don't want you to speak the truth or be able to see the truth or anything like that. I was just thinking, well, that makes sense because... The Bible says, is it in the Bible? I think it is. The truth will set you free. The truth will and set you free. They don't want you free. They want you to They be want slaved. you enslaved. So you know. there you go. It makes sense. I, I, I've offered a Pollyanna solution today where, I mean, just literally the Rodney King solution. Can't we all just get along? The path to getting along is everybody can do what everybody they want to do. Everybody can criticize whatever they want to criticize. Everybody has a duty to defend what someone else wants to do. That's a Pollyanna solution because I do think that there is an enemy within that doesn't want everybody to have the right to do what they want to do, does not want people to have that ability to criticize things that they feel are wrong, to have an honest conversation on the village green in the public square, and they actually only want control for themselves. And I guess I, like, if I could make one appeal to you, at every level it's not going to work out for you. The people at the top, 
the people near the top, the people getting close to the top, the foot soldiers, the middle managers, you're all going to get picked off. One by one, you're going to find your group and your tribe needs to be sacrificed to the engine of perpetual grievance so that power can be maintained. You may not be in the stew pot today. You will be in the stew pot tomorrow. You will. Because there's actually only room for one person at the top. And even if you're in the inner circle and you're listening to this. And then I'd say one last thing. I have a belief system. I think we're being looted by these people. I think they're getting away with it. And if anybody, you know, actually listens to this podcast and reports on it, I would just say, you may get away with it. You may kill all of us. I think you're about to kill a billion of us. And you said that in your documents, the WEF documents. Reduction in population of 1 billion by 2030. That's like, you need to wipe out about 6 billion dead. You need to get moving on that. It's about 7 billion on the earth. Oh, you mean, though, that their documents said they want to be left with 1 billion, That's what they said. And then ultimately by 2050, reaching 500 million. So if you're going to do a nuclear war, that's a great way to get down to 1 billion. If you're going to fake a nuclear war, that's another way to get it going because you can pick everybody off. And I think the VAX is going to do those kinds of things. But I would just say, like, you need to know you will stand in front of God. You will give an account of what you have done. And you will, if you're doing these evil things even if you think they're for the greater good or whatever, you are going to end up in a lake of burning fire. And there's going to be a handhold for you to get out of it. And you're going to struggle, but it's always going to be, you know, like Prometheus. It's going to be just out of reach for you to get out of that lake of burning lava. But every thousand years or so, you'll actually get your hands on it, and it'll snap off, and right back you go. And the hell that you're going to face for the evil that you're doing now Imagine being in that lake and having that hopelessness and knowing it's always going to be this way forever because you were an evil son of a bitch. And that's how it is for all of us, even the Christians. Because being evil or good has nothing to do with it. It actually has something to do with asking God to pay for you what you can't pay. I won't give you that lecture or anything like that. But I'm just saying, if you think that being evil to everybody and like the J6 defendants... You know, costing them $100,000 of their money because they went to legally protest that day and you're just laughing and sneering about destroying their lives. Don't be surprised when you end up in that lake of burning fire reaching for that handhold that you know is going to snap off every time you get your flaming paw on it. And that's the podcast. <laughs>